Welcome back to the Success Road Podcast. My name is Joshua Rivers, your host, and I did just want to bring this quick little introduction before we get into it, that this episode, it had some issues when we were trying to record, and so I had to try to adjust my settings and my setup, and it was a really unique setup, something I've never done before, and so the quality is a little bit less than I would normally try to get, but definitely the content is very good, and I did some things to try to clean up the audio, so hopefully it is decent, at least for you. So with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump right into the episode. All right, welcome back to the Success Road Podcast. My name is Joshua Rivers, your host, and we are back talking about how we can be able to reach higher levels of success. And actually, we're going to even jump even beyond that a little bit more with our guest today, Aaron Walker. So thank you, Aaron, for joining us today. Man, Joshua, what a pleasure it is to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely excited to be able to do this. We actually tried to make this happen, uh, I think, a month and a half ago, and schedules just kind of got bunched up, And but here we are today. So, Hey, you know, it was busy. We're all busy, but thankfully, uh, we are doing the interview today. So awesome. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Yeah, and I, I've heard your story. Um, you've showed up on one or two podcasts over the last year and a half, and so, or maybe one or two hundred. <laughs> so, <laughs> you've been all over the place, so I've definitely heard your story. Uh, but there may be some listeners that haven't, but just to kind of set it up a little bit, um, you have been retired three times and the first time was back when you were 27 and that is just absolutely crazy for me to be able to think about. So why don't you go ahead and kind of tell a little bit about your story, how you started as a teenager. Sure. I'll I'll give you a 30,000 foot view. I'll try to do it real quick. Um, So I started at 13 years old working at a local pawn shop. I didn't even know what a pawn shop was, but I fell in love with the business. I didn't have any money. I mean, we were broker than a convict. I mean, my family didn't have it. My dad was a horrible businessman, but he had strong character, honest. He was a moral man. He taught me great values. We just didn't have any money. And so I started working in this pawn shop, fell in love with it, decided I wanted to do it. At 18 years old, I met a couple of guys that had a lot of money. They were the 21st largest insurance agency in the country at the time. And I approached them one day and said, hey, why don't we take your money and my experience and open a business? And I won't bore you with all those details, but that's exactly, Joshua, what we did. It was very successful. The first three years, we paid a 10-year loan off. I had a paid-for business at 21. I was married at the time. Two weeks out of high school, we got married. Robin and I said, we can't screw this up. We've got to do it right. So we continued to pour the money back into the business. We didn't increase our lifestyle, which is, I think is a really important life lesson for those that are listening. Uh, Delay gratification, you know, like Dave Ramsey says, live today like no one else. So tomorrow you can live like no one else. And that's what we decided to do. We grew that to four stores by the time I was 27 years old. Fortune 500 company in Fort Worth, Texas, found out about me, made me an offer I couldn't refuse, and they rung the bell. And so I was done at 27 years old. Well, Joshua, I thought that was going to be amazing. I said, man, this this is the American dream. You go from nothing to being able to retire at 27 years old until Robin woke me up 18 months later from a nap in the middle of the day, and she said, this is not the guy I married. What, What are you doing? You've gained 
50 pounds in 18 months. You're getting in the bed in the middle of the day. And I said, Robin, I'm bored out of my mind. I don't even know what to do with myself. She said, you got to start another company or buy one. So that's exactly what I did. I went and partners with the guy I started with when I was a kid. We grew that company four times the size it was over the next 10 years. I was 40 years old. Things were good. I'm working three days a week and life is good until August 1st, 2001. I'm headed to the office. I'm 40 years old. Things are good. It's hot and muggy in Nashville that time of year. Got the air conditioning on, tooling down a four-lane highway. And Joshua, uh, a guy was crossing the street, and he was catching a city bus. He didn't look my way, and I, I ran over and killed him. And my life changed forever that day. I pulled over to the side of the road and I was so nervous. I couldn't even dial 911 on my phone and I didn't want to turn around and look. And I'm thinking, God, please don't, don't let this be what I think it is. And just maybe I nudged him or yeah, maybe, well, that's not the case. He lived in the Vanderbilt trauma unit for three days and then passed away. Enrique was his name. He was 77 years old. He's from the Philippines and uh, it's a very, very sad situation, and it just no fault of mine. He just didn't see me coming. So Robin and I talked about it, and I said, I'm going to retire. I'm done. I'm finished. I've been working hard, and I, I'm done. This has rocked my world. So I did. I, I quit. I sold the business. We traveled for the next five years. We built another house. Uh, I had to get my legs back under me. Joshua, I don't know if you've ever been in a really devastating situation or not, but you don't get over it you know, just overnight. God gave me the grace to learn to deal with it. And, and he did took about five years to work through that. Robin woke me up again from a nap and she said, you big pig, you're getting fat and lazy again. It's time to go back to work. And I did went into construction business and we built high end residence and small commercial. We took that to number one, three consecutive years, uh, here in the middle Tennessee area. I turned 50 years old and I said, this time, this time it's over. I'm done. And she started laughing. She said, well, do whatever you want. Well, I'm in a mastermind group with Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller and Ken Abraham and Jeff Mosley, some guys you may or may not recognize their names. But they said, man, you've tried this three times, right? You, you've tried to quit three times. It has not worked well for you. Dan Miller said, you need to coach. And I said, I'm not coaching anybody. I'm done. I'm finished. I've been working hard since I was 13. He said, you got too much value to add. Your marriage is too successful. After 35 years, you need to coach. So anyway, he and Dave Ramsey talked me into coaching and I did. Now I lead seven mastermind groups weekly. We have the community, which we have hundreds of guys in from all over the world. I coach individually one-on-one. -on -one. And Joshua, I'm having more fun today than all the businesses I've ever owned combined. And so that's what I get to do today. Now I'm the president and founder of View From The Top. Yeah, I I would definitely say, I know I know you haven't reached the the summit, so to speak, but yeah, you definitely uh, have, have uh, definitely reached some great levels um, and God has definitely blessed you that way. So definitely excited for you to be able to share that and to be able to see where things are going to be going from here. And so you talk about that mastermind that you had with Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller and the others. How did you get involved in that? How did that whole process start as far as you getting involved yeah, with them? That's a good question. It's a fun story, too. In 1995, 21 years ago, I went to a Chamber of Commerce breakfast, and uh, there was a guy there speaking, telling about a radio show he had just started called The Money Game. 
And I went up and introduced myself afterwards and thought it was a cool concept. And I said, two miles down the road, I've just built a new 10,000 square foot retail store. I'd like to show it to you. And so he drove down, took a look at it and he goes, man, this is awesome. He said, uh, I would love for you to advertise on my new show. And I said, no, no, thank you. And he said, oh, come on. He said, this would be awesome. He said, people would love to buy things here and I'll promote you. And he was on one radio station in Nashville. And that was my first encounter with Dave Ramsey. And uh, Dave said, listen, I'll give you advertising for a week if you'll just try me. And I thought, well, I've got nothing to lose, you know, for that. So I did. Joshua, three days into the contract, I called Dave and I said, man, I don't know. These people have swallowed the Kool-Aid. I don't know what you're teaching, (laughs) but I'm all in because my business is blowing up. And I signed a contract with him for an annual And we've perpetually renewed that contract for 21 years. We're the longest running sponsor of his show, either a business I own or have owned. It became uh, very evident that we were going to work together. We became friends. A couple of years into that, I saw Dave at the Curb Center at a concert in Nashville. And we, we knew each other, but we weren't real close friends at that time. But he came up to me, and it was at a dark time in my personal life. Also, I needed some guys around me. There were some things that I was going through and he goes, listen, I want you to join my mastermind. I said, what is a mastermind? He said, just trust me in this. Just come to my office Wednesday and you'll see. So I go in, there's Dave's conference room, 10 guys sitting in there. and I didn't know any of them. And so I went back the next Wednesday and started falling in love with the process. And I thought, well, this is a pretty safe environment, you know, because they're non-biased people. They don't have anything to gain or lose by what they tell me. Maybe they'll tell me the truth. And so we started doing life together and, you know, Dave and I just continued our relationship and we continued to be very good friends. And through that process, I met these other guys that have very, very successful businesses now. But the point is, Joshua, they weren't successful then like they are now. And that's the value of the mastermind. You guys come together, you know, year after year and decades, you encourage each other, you lift each other up, you empower one another, you tell each other the truth. Listen, I have had so many deals squelched in there. It's like, are you an idiot? That is insane. That's never going to work. And it hurts your feelings at first. And then you go, you know what? I'd rather be embarrassed in here with these 10 guys in the public. And so we just continue to offer advice, encouragement to each other, relationship building. We introduce people to one another. And it just became a way of life for me. And so we did that, you know, for over a decade, every Wednesday, and it changed my life. So as a result of that, when I started coaching, I said, I want to emulate that. You know, I want to do exactly what I did in the Eagles for all those years. And I started Iron Sharpens Iron, Uh, you know, as Iron Sharpens Iron is one man sharpens another. And we do that now weekly. And I'm telling you, man, lives have changed radically in every regard professionally and personally. And it's all a direct result of Dave inviting me to be a member of his mastermind. Well, excellent. Yeah. For the listener, there is a podcast um, called view from the top that is hosted by Daniel. I can't remember his last name, but Bauer, Daniel Bauer, Bauer. Daniel Bauer. And so uh, I I started listening to that and I'm actually still subscribed and uh, just noticed that there's a new one uh, that downloaded today. And uh, he, I interviews a lot of the guys that are in, uh, iron sharpens iron and uh, it's not just a, a big promotional thing for for the group but uh, he he brings out a lot of the different benefits um, and a lot of the benefits that that I remember hearing uh, have absolutely nothing to do with business that it's about I, I'm a better 
husband and a better father and uh, right. becoming a lot more involved and in, uh, growing personally and spiritually. Um, and so I, I definitely love the impact that um, that you're able to have and that the guys Thank are able you. to have with each other. You know, it's pretty cool in that process. And I do coaching kind of holistically. And the reason I do that is because there's masterminds out there that can teach you how to make money, right? They can teach you how to be successful. And quite honestly, it's not that hard to make money. I mean, you know, it's like we can make money. But what's hard is balancing everything else that goes with it. And we do a personal assessment, you know, when I start coaching or we're doing the mastermind groups or the community, we really dive into your personal identity. Most guys really tie their identity up into their possessions, you know, or their title. But when those things go away, what's left? And we teach that your identity can't be tied up into those things. And we deal with your ideals. We really look for the standards uh, that you set out for yourself. We talk about the needs. We all have physical needs, emotional needs financial needs. There's needs that we have. We talk about relationships, which is the most enjoyable thing for me to talk about because at the end of the day, it's what really matters. We talk about your career, your faith. We talk about all those things that we want to have in some semblance of order. And I tell guys all the time, I don't want you to be successful at work. Come home one day with a pocket full of money to a house full of strangers because we'll do it at the expense of our families if we're not careful. You'll come home one day, you don't even know your wife, or you'll come home one day and you've never been to your children's events, ball games or practices or recitals. And I want you to have the ability to be hugely successful financially, yet significantly to your community and your family. And that's what I teach each and every day. Yeah, and that kind of leads me to uh, another thought um, that I want to dive into a little bit more that um, I hear on the podcast, at least, and I've heard you mention, at least in a couple of the interviews that I've heard, and that is uh, not trying to be a man of success, but being a man of significance. Can you maybe elaborate on that thought? Yeah, I would love to do that. It's really the heartbeat uh, of our business. First of all, Joshua, we all have to determine what success is. We hear that word all the time. He's successful. He's successful. Well, what's successful for me may not be successful for Joshua Rivers or vice versa. You know, it, we all have our definition of that. For me, there's a couple of things. First of all, I hate to hear successful people go, it's not about the money. I want to go, you liar. <laughs> it is. Money's important. We've got to have it. I love to make money. I don't make any apologies about it because I can't have a nice house or a car, take vacations. I can't do the things I want to do if I don't have money. So don't say it's not at all about any of the money because it is, we need it. It's important, but don't make it your God. Don't make it the primary reason for me. Choosing my own schedule and having financial freedom is success. I love being able to say, you know what? Today I'm not real busy. I think I'll go fishing. I don't have to punch a clock or I don't have to do anything because I've got that freedom. So my schedule to me is really important. If I want to stay at home a little longer in the mornings, have breakfast with Robin or sit out on the patio or whatever. It's like that for me, that's success. But really what's successful to me is having an engaging family and meaningful relationships. You know, I've got two daughters, Brooke and Holly, they're 30 and 33. I have five grandchildren ranging from six months old to 14 years old. I want to spend time with my family. I want to know my family. I want to tell a little quick story if I could be allowed to Joshua. Yeah, go ahead. When my dad died in 2006, he didn't have any money. I told you all that already. He was broker and a convict. He didn't have any money. But when he died, 
my brothers and I, my sister stood at the casket with my mom and we greeted the persons coming in to pay their condolences. The line started at two 30, went to the parking lot for an hour and a half. It took to get through the line for six and a half hours. People came through the line from 10 years old to 75 years old. And they shook my hand and they said, let me tell you what your dad did for me. Let me tell you how your dad helped me. Let me tell you how your dad was always there, how he gave a smile. He gave suckers to the kids that your dad was a relational guy. And I loved your dad. Do you know in six and a half hours, not one person said your dad had a nice car. He lived in a nice house. He had a nice boat. Not one person yet. We spend 95% of our time trying to get more stuff. The things that are important are those meaningful relationships, those engaging families. For me, that's important. Doing things right, having a clear conscience with every transaction. I want to lay in bed at night, Joshua, knowing that I didn't cheat anybody, knowing I didn't take advantage of anybody. We got to take care of ourselves physically. I want to learn to be content in the situation I'm presently in without being complacent. And let me explain the difference. We can choose today to be happy because happiness is a choice. It's not a trait. We can say, I elect today to be happy with what I've got, yet I'm not completely satisfied. I want to not be complacent. So you can be content. You can enjoy it. It's a choice that we have. I love to have a clear sense of direction. I love to know where I'm going. I love to plan. I love to dream, establish goals. I want to understand myself personally better. I'm a faith-based person, so I want to understand my faith. I want to know that I can trust in a higher power. I want to have meaning and purpose. And someday, Joshua, I want to leave a legacy of wisdom, right? We've got to decide those things. So for me, that's what I've determined success is. But here's the key. Here's what I discovered in 2001. I had success, but I didn't have any significance. See, everything I was doing was about myself. It wasn't about others. And that wreck helped me realize that, man, I could be snuffed out like a candle in a nanosecond, what would my legacy be? It would have been in 2001. He came from nothing, made a lot of money, was able to retire at 27. Good for him. It wouldn't have changed other people's lives. And so I started changing my focus. I started looking outward, thinking, how can I help meet the needs of other people? What can I do to make them significant? Zig Ziglar talks about it in his book, Over the Top. You know, if you help enough people, get what they want, make them successful, you'll be successful. Yeah, which is kind of ironic that I mentioned that. I'm interviewing Tom Ziegler tonight in our community, so that's going to be fun. I've been preparing for that today. I want to learn to fully engage people. Joshua, have you ever been in a restaurant with somebody, maybe somebody new or maybe even somebody you know, and they keep looking away every time the door opens or the other tables, they're not engaging with you, or, or they speak and you're like, they didn't even hear what I said. You're significant when you fully engage people, and it's a skill. You've got to develop it, and I've had to learn to do it. Bob Warren taught me how to do this, where you lock eyes with somebody. You don't let the peripheral distractions interfere with your conversation. People tell me all the time, you really listen to what I say, and I say, yes, I do, because you're important. You're significant, and I want to hear what you have to say. And I want to learn to help other people when they can't repay me. It's so easy, Joshua, to help people and to give to people that can do something for you. But we teach our grandchildren and other people to do things anonymously, even for things that they don't even are even aware that we've done for them. We'll go in restaurants and pick out tables, buy the check anonymously. Won't let the kids tell them that we did it. We'll go to the nursing homes and play checkers with people. We don't even know who they are. 
go to the children's hospital and give gifts to kids that we don't even know them or their families. We're doing significant things for other people that can't repay us. That way it keeps our heart in check to know that we're doing it for the right motivation. When you start prioritizing your goals with other people in mind and you delay personal gratification for the greater advancement of other people, and then you have the foresight to invest long-term so that potentially you could impact generations rather than worrying about Friday. When you do those things, you will have made a significant difference to your colleagues, peers, and people in your community. So that's what we teach. Try to make all you can, do the right things with it, yet don't leave out the significance piece. Wow. We could probably just stop right there, and uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's probably like a whole series of things right there just in the last five minutes. I love that. That's all I love. Well, it's a mindset, right, Joshua? It's a mindset shift. What we do is, is we're so in tune with ourselves. We're so in tune for what we can get. And when you change your mindset out to think, man, what can I do to add value? And I tell salesmen this all the time, quit trying to make the dead gum sale, right? Figure out what they need and feel that. And if you'll do that in any industry you're in, Robin and I went to buy a new car not long ago and we went in, we said, we want a blue car, brown leather interior. Here's the year we want. What do you got? He said, I got everything you want, except it's red. I said, I don't want a red car. I want a blue one, brown leather interior. And he said, well, come over here and look at it. He said, there's rebates on it. I said, I don't care about the rebates. I want a blue car. He said, well, there's incentives on this one. I can get you a discount. I'm like, dude, are you not hearing what I'm saying? I want a blue car, brown leather interior. You know what? If he'd have gone inside the dealership, got on his computer, found me a blue car and a brown interior, I would have written him a check. I would have said, delivered it when you get it. Well, he didn't. He was too busy. He wasn't listening. He wasn't engaging. He didn't care what I wanted. He wanted to make the sale. Mm -hmm. See, we do that all the time. We don't listen to people. Listen, they'll tell you what they want. All you got to do is fill their order. And if you listen and give them what they want and add value, you'll have people lining up to buy your service and your widget. I think some people are uh, probably a little too worried that if you try to focus on that as opposed to try to sell your own thing, they may not end up buying from you. And I think they may not. Hold. Yeah. You know what? They may not. And that's okay if they don't. The, the important thing is, is to add value right? Give value, give value, give value. And they're like, man, this guy's really, you may not make that sale, but they're going to be back because there's very few people doing what I'm talking about. That's how we've built our businesses. Every business that we've built. Listen, when I was in the construction industry, I would never talk negative about the other contractors. We even formed an alliance with people that we were competing against. We formed the master custom builder council, 10 very select builders came together that we were opponents. We were competition. We formed an alliance and came together. We did $115 million in business. Those 10 construction folks did the last year that I was associated with them. We shared vendors. We shared ideas. We were able to get together and pool our resources and buy things cheaper, which made us more competitive. We met the third Thursday in every month. We had parade of homes that we would do collectively. We became friends. We even started playing golf together. See, it's the way you look at it, right? We, we could fight and cheat and, you know, tell things on each other. That's not going to do anybody any good. I lost a bid to one of the guys that I was bidding against one time. And he came back. He goes, I'm sorry, but I gave this to Bob Shaw. And I said, you know what? If I wasn't a builder, Bob Shaw would be the guy I would hire to build my house. And the guy looked at me like he said, what? And I said, he's a great builder. He'll do a great job for you. And he said, now I'm torn. Now I want to go with you. And I started <laughs> laughing. Well, listen, we can do what I'm talking about in any industry. I've done it. 
time and time again, almost 40 years now, I've been building businesses. It works, but you've got to change your mindset. Carol Dweck wrote a great book called Mindset. We either have a growth or a fixed mindset. The fixed mindset says, this is the way it is. You got to do it this way. The growth mindset says, you know what? With proper education, training, I can do it differently. Can't change your personality, but I can change your behavior, right? It's the way we start looking at things. Man, when your mindset shifts like I'm talking about, Gay Hendricks wrote another good book called The Big Leap. It helps us to get through upper limit challenges. We're our worst enemy, right? The isolation is terrible. We think, oh, I have nobody to talk to. I can't do this. You know, it's the enemy of excellence. So you do not want to have isolation. You want to get around people that can lift you up and push through these upper limit challenges, change your mindset. My goodness, what you can do with your business is incredible. Nice. I love that. I love that. Now, one thing I um, was kind of curious about, trying to get your perspective, we had Tom Schwab on uh, not too long ago on the podcast and he was telling us about uh interview valet which is mm -hmm. how we got connected and so and i mentioned earlier as we were in our conversation that you had been on a lot of different podcasts over the last year and a half two years and so mm -hmm. i was kind of curious as to what prompted you to try to go on um so many different podcasts and then what the benefit is that you've seen from that oh my goodness well we could talk for three days on this topic First interview I did was almost three years ago, Entrepreneur on Fire, and I got a really, really good response off of that, and I started thinking about it. I wasn't even familiar with podcasts at the time, and I started really diving into this. My schedule filled up pretty quick. They get a million downloads a month, and I started thinking about this. I said, well, I can start a podcast. It'll take me several years, or I can leverage the audience of others. So hopefully add a little bit of wisdom, add a few nuggets, you know, that you can use in your business at the same time, build a platform. And, uh, to date I've done about 250 interviews in the past, uh, 24 months. And those are evergreen. They never go away. And same with this interview, it never goes away. There's show notes and those show notes now have SEO value, which Google recognizes three years ago, Aaron Walker didn't even exist on Google. And today I'm on uh, 10 of the first pages of Google when you type my name because of the SEO benefit of the show notes. Well, I'm still getting customers from the interview I did with John three years ago, still getting clients that listen to that because they're evergreen. So I'm thinking, you know, I've done shows that get 100 downloads a month and I've done shows that get 2 million downloads a month. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to do a podcast on my own. Matter of fact, that's kind of in the works. Uh, I want to do that, but I wanted to use podcasts to broaden my um, broaden my audience and kind of get known, uh, and it's worked so well. Out of that, Tom Schwab, you just mentioned, is my COO in View from the Top. Also, he and I are partners in Interview Valet, and it's a concierge white glove service, you know, that we do everything for the guest. All they've got to do is show up, do the interview. We do the landing pages, and we do the social media marketing, and the pitch sheet and the training and we give the equipment, we do everything. So you don't have to do anything. So it's an unbelievable, um, median in order to get your message out. And, uh, it, it's just huge and it's going to get bigger. It's only 10 years old podcast and we're just at the infancy stages of it. I would be willing to venture that, 
you know, 70% of the people don't even listen, don't even know what podcasts are. But in 2017, cars are going to start becoming equipped to be able to play podcast in. And so that's going to really heighten the awareness. So listen, Joshua, you're just on the cutting edge of what's coming for success road. And so you're on a great road for more success. And I just want to encourage your listeners, man, if you can get on podcast and do interviews and add value, now nobody wants you on if you don't have anything to say, but if you've got some value to add in your niche market, by all means, become a guest on podcast. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I've, I've definitely, I've been in podcasting for about three and a half years now, and uh, I've only been a guest a handful of times. Uh, I've been more enjoying being on this side of the microphone, uh, a lot of times being able to talk to great people like you and be able to, um, it's almost like free counseling, if you will. I know I learn as much. <laughs> I know I learn as much from the podcast host. I feel like I'm having so much fun and then I'm learning so much information from great people all over the world. And it's just a win, win, win everywhere you turn. It's a win. Plus hopefully my, this is my hope that few of your listeners will go, man, I've never done that. I've never even tried that. And I'm going to take this tool, or that tool, and implement it into my business. Absolutely. Now, as we wrap up, is there anything uh, specific that you want to leave everyone with? You know, I brought a little gift uh, for your listeners, if that's okay. I talked earlier about a personal assessment. I wrote a document several years ago, and it's titled that personal assessment. And it goes through the things that I mentioned earlier, your ideal identity, career, etc. About 30 questions on it. There's no right or wrong answer. There's another one that we didn't get time to talk about that's probably the most important document I've ever written. And it's called, What Do I Want? And there's about 25 or 30 questions in that. And it specifically points you in a direction to live intentionally, uh, proactively, not reactively. One of the leading questions on it is, is Joshua, tomorrow morning, if you got up, there were no financial or geographic limitations. What would you do with your life? And most people can't answer that. And it just starts out that way. As I said earlier, success for everybody is not the same thing. Robin and I had a big house you know, huge yard, all that kind of stuff. And we said, this is insane. We don't even need this. So we sold it. We bought a house, the third of the value, a third of the size. It's back in the woods. I got my time back. Now I get to spend it at the ballpark with my grandkids. For me, that's success. The other house was much more luxurious and it was all that, but it's not what I wanted. And so you've got to live your life the way you want to live it. Not the way your mom and daddy want you to live it. Not the way the Joneses expect you to live it. You, you've got to live your life. This questionnaire helps you decide that you just go through and say, man, this is what I want. This is success. The third thing is people say, now I know who I am. Now I know what I want, but I don't know what to do next. I wrote steps to a productive day. It's kind of a to-do list on steroids. I'm a very regimented, methodical person. I, I believe in morning routines. I think you ought to have a system because people that are productive have a system. This steps to a productive day will help you work through your day so you'll be more productive. I've taken the price off of all these. There's no charge. If you'll go to viewfromthetop.com forward slash success, all in lowercase letters, I've made all three of these documents there for free for you. Hopefully, you'll live a more successful and significant life as a result of it. Well, excellent. I'm definitely thankful 
for that. And we'll make sure to have a link to that in the show notes as well. If you go to joshuarivers.net, you'll be able to get the link in case uh, you forget that. But viewfromthetop.com slash success. Um, and, of course, they go to your website. They can be able to get some more information about uh, the groups that you have there as well for the online community, which is uh, for men. And then also the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind group that uh, you talked about for a little bit. So definitely thank you for taking the time today, Aaron. Definitely appreciate it. You're awesome, man. Thanks a lot, Josh. Well, have a good one, buddy.